X-Ray. And welcome to the Beervana Show, broadcast in Portland on X-Ray FM and available anywhere on your favorite podcast service. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. <laughs> we are joining you in uh, sort of uh, semi-shelter, socially, appropriately socially distanced, but together, sort of, across a six-foot table uh, <laughs> in my backyard in southeast Portland, uh, which will explain, by the way, all of the beautiful atmospherics we bring you today. Um, we have piped in the sound of birds. You may hear my neighbor's kids on their new trampoline. And there's a couple dogs around, too. So <laughs> be prepared. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, we've talked about how if the dogs start barking, we will pause and we'll cut that out. But you may still hear fragments of dogs barking. Yeah. If you speak dog, then you can interpret for us. <laughs> <laughs> With me, as always, Jeff Allworth, author of several books, including Beer Bible and The Widmer Way. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? That was your cue. <laughs> I know. I'm working my way into it. You know, we're out of practice a little bit here. Trying to fix the informal, informal. It, is, it, is a, it is a little off-putting being out here in the, uh, in the plain air, as they say. Um, al fresco. Al fresco. Fresco, fresco. Yeah. I was worried because it actually rained this morning. I thought, uh-oh, this is going to be bad. We have a power strip and two, two computers and... Yeah other things but but yeah so it's it's nice to be with you in person for the first time in a while indeed doing that's true. this yeah we we have snuck a little socially appropriate uh social distancing yeah. beer backyard beers. backyard beers uh but yeah we haven't tried podcasting yet so this is our first our first uh foray into togetherness and then and someday we'll be back in the studio together yeah but before we get too far, I will say that you are Patrick Emerson, <laughs> professor of economics at Oregon State University, and I assume on your glorious summer vacation. Almost. Uh, I have grades to turn in uh, this weekend, and uh, then I'll be done. I'm on contract until June 15th. That's, you know, we're on nine-month contracts, those of us, most of us in College of Liberal Arts. Mm -hmm. And so uh, then I'll be on my summer. But and thank you. Certainly, and we are uh, we're very close to June fifteenth, so that's good for you. Yeah, yeah. This is my last week. This is uh, this is finals week. Um, all my stuff's done, so now it's just a matter of grading and getting my grades in. Yeah. And congratulations to all the graduates of Oregon State University this year. I have had to do everything <laughs> remotely. Uh, we've recorded some little uh, messages to econ majors, and I have grad students who successfully defended their theses and moved on their way. So. Uh, a weird time to, <laughs> to graduate and enter into the world, but uh, I wish them all luck. Uh, economics is a good set of tools to have, so I'm sure they'll do well. That's true. But it would be a very, there's going to be a cohort of people who graduated in the coronavirus, and it's going to be uh, very weird for them. It is. It already is very weird because they've had to, they've had to take the remainder of their classes remotely. There's been no graduation ceremony and sort of suddenly they're just done. So I feel for, I feel for all of them. It's a, it's a tough time, but we will get through this. Yep. Other things going on, Simon and I, my son, uh, who's going to be helping us later in the pod, uh, we rode up to uh, Ecliptic Brewing yesterday uh, where we grabbed a little grub and also uh, some cans of your past uh, beer Sherpa recommendation, which was their Vega number seven. Yes. Very with nice. The Belma hops. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Uh, it's uh, an amazing strawberry note that comes through. Um, mine on the nose, mostly, less so on the tongue. 
Yeah, I wonder. So I had a an earlier. I, I, I tasted it earlier. I think it's in its life cycle. I don't think they've rebrewed it, so it's possible. Yeah, that the, uh, it's starting to fade now. a bit. Yeah. Still an excellent, an excellent hazy IPA. Uh, but as we were on our way up there, we were biking up the East Bank Esplanade in Portland, and we ran into this uh, big parade of skateboarders who were parading, protesting um, in support of Black Lives Matter. Uh, so that was pretty cool. There were uh, huh. hundreds of skateboarders. Who knew how many? Who knew how many skateboarders were in in Portland, Oregon? Nice guys uh, for the most part. Um, as we tried to weave our way through, because we were running up towards the closing time of Ecliptic, so I was trying to get through them without being too obnoxious. But anyway, I just uh, thought that I would um, use this as an opportunity to say that though we are a beer podcast, I think uh, you and I agree that we support the Black Lives Matter movement and are in solidarity with all of those who are advocating for change, social change. Absolutely. Um, it's, you know, we, there's something a little bit frivolous about a beer podcast in these times. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm aware of how unimportant uh, in, in the, the scope of things this podcast is. And it's nice to acknowledge what's really important. And I think those folks who are uh, protesting racial injustice that goes back hundreds of years um, at this moment in which some, there's some crack uh, in the way business gets done in this country, which uh, offers the hope maybe that something will change and that um, we can see some real progress. So I am super excited. I have to tell you, the last few years have been a little bit rugged for me as a political animal in this country. <laughs> and um, it's, I, you know, I think I, I, my guess is it probably feels that way for everybody, no matter what stripe, uh, your, what political stripes you wear. It's always felt like a little bit like trench warfare uh, for years and years. And so this feels like one of those moments when something's happening and you may feel good or bad about that. But um, yeah, I feel, I feel a little bit hope, more hopeful uh, this podcast than the last time we recorded. Yeah. And as a, as an economist, I think it's important to acknowledge the, the economic systems that have maintained this system of inequality and essentially oppression for uh, hundreds of years. I don't know whether we're at a moment where we can start actually really addressing economic inequality and all of the social injustices that follow. Uh, but I hope so, because um, uh, it's. Uh, I'm not one who, who thinks that it's capitalism itself, but how we practice capitalism. Um, so I'll, I'll state that out there, but we certainly practice it in a very unjust and cruel way. So having said that, we'll return to our normal <laughs> broadcasting here, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's right to stay silent. Um, and just riding up to ecliptic as I was off, you know, enjoying my, um, my sense of security, being a white <laughs> middle-aged white man on a bike, we passed a big van with, uh, cops hanging off both sides, looking very closely at all the skateboarders who, uh, who, who rode by and I felt completely secure riding, riding by that van. And, um, it just really brought to mind how, uh, others must feel, uh, feeling exactly the opposite as they pass a group of police. So anyway, the beer and the food was great at Ecliptic. So support your local breweries <laughs> and think about supporting black lives matter movement. Exactly. All right. Well, uh, we are in the backyard today. We are together today for a very special reason. We are going to do something new today, just in time for summer. Uh, Jeff and I have assembled 18, well, 16 of the finest Pilsner brewed in Oregon, plus two classic 
uh, examples from abroad. We'll talk about those. And we're going to do a blind tasting to identify what is surely, definitively, the finest example uh, brewed here in the Beaver State. <laughs> we shall we shall be the, the arbiters of, of excellence, Pilsner excellence in, uh, in the Beaver State. And certainly everybody agrees that we should be those arbiters. Yes, exactly. Particularly me, by the way, an economist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an economist foil to Jeff uh, should really be the one deciding these things. Okay, so uh, today's show, what we're going to do, so we have so many, we're going to actually do this over two podcasts. So today's, sh today's show uh, is going to be the preliminary round, and next week we'll bring you the finals. Um, along the way, we'll discuss what makes a good Pilsner, why we think these are the best, uh, and all of that. I should say that, uh, for me, this is a remarkable event, and one of the reasons that I actually pitched this to you, because, I don't know, as little as 10 years ago? We'd be sitting here, and if we wanted to do a big Pilsner off in Oregon, that may be two, right. <laughs> two Pilsners, That's two right. regularly brewed Pilsners. And so the, the whole landscape has changed radically. Yeah, I have joked that Oregon's secret superpower is Pilsners. We have a lot of amazing Pilsners here, and I think most people assume that we only do IPAs. Uh, but we've talked about how many great Pilsners we've had here. Yeah. And we both secretly thought it would be fantastic to do a blind tasting because we have our preferences. I can, you know, we, we, we assemble these beers and I can tell you which ones I think are my three favorite and which is my <laughs> favorite. But now we have to put us in a blind tasting and see if that's act, those are actually my three favorites. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, see that, that's the kind of, that was the thing for me when I finally texted this to you and pitched it because um, I used to be able to say that. And then I've been drinking a lot of Pilsners recently because um, I really love them. Plus the weather's getting warmer and uh, so on. And I was, I had about four in my fridge and about, you know, five or six more in my mind. And I thought to myself, what would I say is my favorite? And there's, there, there's so many good ones. It's really hard to say. And there's subtle differences. And sometimes I like one that's a little more hoppy and sometimes I like one that's a little, you know. So, uh, so I thought, well, this would be a good, let's, let's just sit down and see. And actually, I think it's going to be a really tough challenge because honestly, the, the level of quality of filters in Oregon is excellent. So. That's right. And we will, of course, tell you all about the beers we're drinking. And if you want to try this at home, if you're in Oregon, uh, you can also follow us along. These are easy to get Pilsners, nothing special about them. They're not one-offs that are impossible to get or draft only. So uh, you can play along at home and we encourage you to. You can check our work and see if we got it right. <laughs> That's right. Let's get uh, back to that in a moment. But uh, first, let's talk about the news. First up, very good news. According to the Brewers Association, a lot of member breweries have received federal dollars allocated to help businesses during the COVID-19 crisis. 85% of the breweries that responded to a recent survey reported that they had received Paycheck Protection Program dollars, and others had, apply under, had applied under different programs. Uh, breweries are feeling more hopeful about 2020 than they were when polled by the BA earlier in the crisis. Yeah, it's really good news. Um, and you, you talked about this Right at the very start, you said this was not too big a, uh, a federal program, and in fact, it might not be big enough, And, and um, even though it was by far the biggest thing the federal government ever passed. Yeah. And it seems like it's having the effect that, that you and other economists were hoping. Yes. Keeping places in business. Yeah. And I think to the extent to which uh, we saw a robust rebound in the jobs figures now that places are opening up... Uh, uh, suggests that it's done a decent job keeping businesses afloat that can then bring con 
that are then ready to bring their employees back. Um, yeah. So uh, I my worry now is just that they're going to uh, lose their intestinal fortitude and cut off the, the pipeline. I think the pipeline is going to have to continue for a while. So I'm hoping another bill will get passed, but we'll see. Yeah, we're in this really weird moment where many states have been opening up. Oregon has partly opened up. And uh, some of these businesses are, are kind of back online. And, and it's in some ways, it's, it's, it's probably quite hard because uh, they're in business. So, you know, they're, they're not really out of business, but um, they're not functioning it on all, all cylinders, especially those that have a food component and can't serve, you know, can't have a full pub. So yeah. it's a little bit of a dicey moment. So I, I'm with you. I hope, I hope we don't screw around too long if, if we need to add another layer. Yeah. I've been impressed with local breweries, how nimble they've been, how, how, how creative they've been figuring out ways um, to keep selling beer, keep selling food during this crisis. So uh, courage to everyone. Keep it up. Uh, hopefully we'll be uh, through the crisis. Well, eventually we will, but um, hopefully things will start pick, picking up soon. Indeed. Uh, and as we mentioned, uh, the big news over the past two weeks has, of course, been the response to the killing of George Floyd by a Minneapolis policeman. And we've been uh, happy to see that breweries have been supporting the nationwide protests that have resulted uh, by closing for days of silence, creating beers to support groups fighting systemic racism, or donating the proceeds uh, during the summer and fall months to the ACLU, uh, different programs that different breweries are pitching in on. And it seems like it has been a fairly broad-based uh, upswell of support. Um, that's one of the most remarkable things about this whole movement is it, there doesn't seem to be an enormous amount of opposition to it. And yeah. In fact, I was reading an article about how the poll numbers, how opinions of Americans have shifted so dramatically um, due to this uh, whole movement. So I think it's pretty impressive. And hopefully that's not just a temporary blip. But kudos to those breweries that have been supporting, I think. Yeah, you're in a hard place. We just talked about how many of you are not even sure you're going to be in business at the end of the year. And the fact that you're uh, donating your time, your support, and, and in many cases, your money is amazing. So congratulations and thanks. Okay, well, let's get to the task at hand. And it is kind of a task. <laughs> We've, it's true. Uh, we'll talk about the Pilsner uh, taste off now. What I would like to ask of you is to give us a little sort of uh, primer, remind us what sort of a classic Pilsner is, the difference between German and Czech Pilsners, and kind of uh, set the table for us, if you would. Indeed. So we decided to do traditional Pilsners for this taste off. Mm -hmm. um, right, right now, there are a number of breweries are doing uh, Pilsner adjacent beers. They might have citra hopping or they might be stronger versions, various permutations. We're actually looking for kind of the classic Pilsner style, not a Hellas, not a, not a lower alcohol lager, not right. something with a uh, citra hopping. And the two classic examples are the German school and the Czech school. And we have both of those assembled here and we'll judge those together, uh, which I think what we can talk a little bit about how that's possible to judge things that don't taste quite the same in the same category. If you go way back in the archives, we actually did a, an entire podcast about Czech Pilsners. Yes. In which time we also compared them to German Pilsners. So you can if you want to go back and, and hear the very long version of this. Right. The main thing is uh, the German tradition was one that evolved uh, past the like old Bavarian tradition, mm -hmm. which is what the Czech tradition still kind of is, is the old Bavarian tradition. Right. And the German tradition now has a more modern palate. So uh, they're drier, they're lighter, and they 
typically have less malt character and less hot character. The balance point is a little bit softer and milder. Um, they, of course, use, typically will use German hops, which would be char- characteristic of the German tradition, and German malts. The Czech tradition involves decoction mashing, which is a process that creates melanoidins, so a thicker, fuller body. Right. And when we tasted these together, we were really able to tell in the mouthfeel and just the, the density that the Czech pilsners were much denser. Um, it's something that you can you can feel as much as uh, taste. Yeah. And the you know the classic Czech hopping is Saz or Zatech uh, hops, which are characteristically spicy and they have a really distinctive flavor, one mm-hmm. of the most distinctive flavors. Yeah. So those are kind of the two different approaches, and we're not slavish. Uh, if, if a brewery wants to do a German Pilsner that's pretty hoppy, uh, we've got a couple in here that are in the north. German tradition. So those would be like the Javer with very kind of robust bitterness. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I don't know that we have any of these, but um, in the Czech tradition, there's a thing called a Vychepny, which is a slightly lower alcohol version of a, of a Pilsner. Right. So, you know, we're not, we're not slavish, but we're just looking for those characteristic kind of uh, classic lines that you find in a great Pilsner. Yeah. So what are the classic German uh, hops for German Pils? Hollertau, of Tau. course. <laughs> uh, Spalt. Tetnanger, hops like that. Yeah. Okay. So our criteria, as you mentioned, in choosing the beers for this taste off, one is they had to be Oregon beers. Yep. That 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 already was too many. <laughs> but we decided to, uh, you know, we we try to be a, a podcast that isn't just local, but sometimes you know we are a product of the beer scene we're in. So uh, these are only Oregon beers. Uh, we were looking for sort of a regular Pilsner, sort of the standard Pilsner that's part of the regular lineup. It had to be available in package, with one exception. <laughs> yeah. We did have we did have some breweries say, "Oh, can we get can we get you some beers?" And we 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 got one in under the wire. It'll probably around. be in package soon, so so this one's okay. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna ex- exempt this one. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and also, it had to be available now. We we went out searching um, for Pilsners around town. Uh, and these are the ones we could find. So there are some notable exceptions that were unintentional. And we don't, our selection by no, in no way means that we have eliminated any because we, we have prejudged them. Not at all. And which ones did not make it uh, because we couldn't find them? Actually, I know one is uh, Upright, which is available around town and is a great beer. And I, I pinged Alex Ganoom there and he said that he was trying a uh, different malt in his pilsner and he didn't like it so he dumped the batch and there's no pilsner so we couldn't do that one that's actually i think one of the most well regarded in the city so no nope, yep. no upright sorry so, so no upright uh we couldn't find the ex novo um we didn't find ninkazi or deschutes yeah uh, block 15 from corvallis great notion i don't know if they package they also have a pills and wolves and people make a nice pills Yes, which was the other brewery that contacted us today that I saw today, and it was a little too late to get it in. Sorry, wolves and people, we'll catch you the next yeah. time. So uh, yeah, we could do a little supplementary tasting if people want to want to send us their their pills. Clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see how I did that. <laughs> well, we're always 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 ready to accept uh, uh, belated entries. Okay, so why don't you set up how we're going to run the tasting, and then. Um, We'll, we'll sort of uh, cut out and, and get it and get it started. Indeed. So we're going to have uh, two flights. We have 18 beers. We're going to have two flights of nine beers. We're going to 
judge those. We'll send three ahead to the finals, which will be next week's podcast. We'll judge those. Uh, we'll actually judge them today, but we'll broadcast that next week. And we'll take a break here and have our steward pour out these beers. We will do a flight and then come back, rejoin you, and talk about the beers that are in the flight, what we think of them, and which three are going on. Uh, And at the end of this podcast, we will let you know uh, what all the beers were that we were tasting. So you can line those up with the numbers that we're going to reference here when we talk about them in uh, after we after we do each flight. I will go through the um, uh, the pilsners that we have collected. So first, as controls, we have the pilsner Urquell, classic Czech pils, and then uh, this is actually an interesting uh, little sidelight. I was looking for a German pils. There, they've been really hard to find. And, and not just that stores aren't carrying them, but the empty shelves where they would be, like Bitburger. I there was a shelf space for that, and it wasn't there. So I was able to find the uh, the Weinstefan Pilsner, which is not what I know the brewery for. Yeah, but they should make a great one. They actually decoct theirs. Weinstefan is not only a brewery, but it's a brewing school. And when brewers go there to learn how to make beer, they teach them how to make Pilsner beer. So okay. this is a brewery that should know how to make Pilsner beer. Okay, so those are our two controls. Uh, our foreign entries and uh, local breweries. So we have uh, Cathedral Tree from Fort George in Astoria. We've got Freem's Pilsner from Hood River. We got Terminal Gravity's Pilsner from Enterprise. Oh, and there's not the dog of the pod. This is the neighbor of the dog of the pod uh, in the background. And we'll mention that Enterprise is in Eastern Oregon. Eastern Oregon. So we actually have a pretty good um, geographical spread so far. Uh, We have Bowie from Astoria as well. We have Level from Portland. Breakside from Portland, Crux from Ben, Doigle House uh, from Portland. We have the Ehrlich Pilsner from Portland, Heater Allen from McMinnville, the Grand Daddy of them all. Yeah, maybe if we if we or were going to say of them all, maybe. Yeah, that's right. If we we're gonna if we we're gonna talk about favorites, uh, you definitely definitely put a, a tag on on heater allen i think a lot of people think it's a favorite coming in so that's interesting yeah and this is actually a historical note when i you know way 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 back when when i was lamenting the fact that nobody loggered anything heater allen was the little lone holdout in in little mcminnville oregon uh producing loggers from the get-go so yeah uh, we have von ebert's pills we have the czaf pills from uh wayfinder in portland we've got occidentals pilsner from portland we have ferment pilsner also from hood river and we have uh old town pilsner from portland all right that's a quite a lineup yeah and then i have to mention the the one we we accepted the late entry is the rosenstadt uh pilsner from uh, portland they're just getting their packaging going uh they're packaging hellas now hopefully the pilsner soon yep and they make german beer so i think they probably uh, hope to do well too i'm sure everybody hopes to do well yeah. All right. So that is the lineup for today. Uh, as we mentioned, Wolves and People, Ex Novo, Ninkazi, Deschutes, Block 15, Great Notion, Upright, lots of great Pilsners that aren't here. This wasn't by design. It was simply uh, what we could find at the moment. So don't take those omissions as judgments, uh, prejudgments at all. All right. Well, uh, I think now we should take a break and get going, huh? Let's do it. I will stop the tape. We will go get some beer, taste it, and come back and talk to you after the first round. Awesome. All right, and we are back. We have completed the first flight of nine beers. It was challenging. It was challenging. So I think the first takeaway, which we kind of knew, is that 
there are a lot of excellent pilsners being brewed in Oregon these days. Yeah. We, we were a little bewildered right off the bat because we were a little anxious that maybe all together taken in a, in, in a, in a mass, they would wash out and not have a lot of character and yeah. it would be hard to distinguish because they had a lower flavor impact. That's not true at all. And, that, and we had the opposite problem. Yeah. Each one seemed like a, a titan of, of energy and force. Yeah. And what's interesting is that when you taste them all together, they are really distinct. They're yeah. very different, but it's very hard to sort of, you know, figure out what you think is better or worse. I mean, and then this, you know, any kind of judging is going to be subject to personal biases. Uh, That's right. And, and much as with IPAs, where you could have three IPAs that could each win a competition, depending on who the judges are, uh, you find out what your own proclivities are when you do a thing like this. And you, you have to encounter this moment when you think that's a great beer, that's a great beer, but which one do I like best? Right. And, you know, with, with IPAs, I don't like the mosaic hops. So those beers go out the window. And, <laughs> you know, we all have our preferences. And in, and in this case, and uh, I love mosaic a, hops. So those would go to the top of my list. Exactly. <laughs> so here we were, uh, we were confronted with, uh, a little bit of a philosophical, conundrum about yeah. which ones we like although i will say at the end of this you and i actually i think have fairly similar tastes so uh keep that in mind as we talk about these things i uh talk about these beers i think that they're all excellent uh beers so why don't we start with the ones that we are choosing to move forward and why and then we can kind of talk about the other ones that and, and why they, they didn't make the cut agreed shall we talk about beer number three to begin it seems like a classic German filter. Yes. So it's very light, extremely clear, very bright. Perfectly filtered. This is yeah. Uh, for, for those classic brewers who like clear, bright beers. It is a clear. gorgeous, gorgeous beer. <laughs> You're going to love this beer. Yeah. I, had, I was struggling with aroma on all of these. You were a little, your nose is a little finely, more finely tuned. You pointed out the lemongrass, which once you mentioned it, I definitely clued on. Uh, so we think it's got Tettenanger hops, right? That's my guess. It's it's a it's an herbal it's an herbal citrusy kind of thing. So it does yeah. not. It's when you say lemongrass, you often think of American hops, and I don't mean to suggest that. It's much more in the uh, the noble category, but it is it does have what I consider a classic Tettenanger character. So I, I'm guessing it's yeah. Tettenanger. And it's got a pretty good hop pop on your. <laughs> it'll it kind of smacks you in the face a little bit with with uh, bitterness and hops, but in a in a pleasant Oregon way. It's got um, wonderful, the malts, though, are, are, I noted down that it tastes like crackers to me. Um, and it's just, it's just a clean and beautiful beer. It's, it's the, maybe the most harmonious beer on the table uh, that we've had. Really, just the, the malt and the hops just dance together beautifully. Yeah, and I will say that, you know, I tend to, I've realized my biases tend to sort of more richer mouthfeel. This one's a little less. It's more German. Yeah. So it's a little yeah. crisper mouthfeel. But you right. do kind of, kind of get that crackery, biscuity malt character uh but this one as a sort of a what we would consider classic german is really really nice an admirable beer it's just really well executed i, I really admired it yeah so kudos later we'll figure out what that one is we don't know yet and by the way i just want to mention that uh there is the pro and the amateur here in the in the tasting and we have trays with glasses my glasses are almost all empty because i felt like i needed three four five sips to figure <laughs> out the stuff jeff over there has most of his glasses are at least half full. 
so keep that in mind as um, I start slurring my words and other things that are going to be the, the byproduct of this process. Yeah. I'll try to I'll try to get better. All right. So the next one we we're moving on is beer number seven. So tell yeah. us about beer number seven. It does have a fair amount of aroma, and to my nose, it's very uh, herbal, peppery. A lot of hops in the nose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get even a little floral, but uh, on the tongue, definitely a spicy, a spicy note. Yeah, this is it's a this is one of those strongly flavored beers. Um, I get everything is strong about it. I get that nice, <laughs> uh, that nice lager crispness is, yep. is is heightened, which that works well with those those aggressive hops. Um, and uh, the malts are actually a little bit a background note. It's clearly tilted <laughs> towards the hops. Yeah, it's got a, a lovely mouthfeel, sort of lush, full mouthfeel. It's, uh, by the way, it's quite light, light in color, slightly hazy. Um, and uh, again, sort of pops you with a bit of a bitter, a bitter charge, which is probably also part of our, our shared bias that we're Oregonians. And yeah, maybe. I mean, we had a few of these that were that were uh, pretty bitter, but but we felt it was not harmonious. They were a little right. stringent. This is really very nicely done. Yeah, uh, it's it's hoppy, but it's nice. Uh, what I my main the main takeaway I had from this is it's hoppy, but it's just full of flavor. Like it's a real a real flavorful hop hop uh, schedule they've they've used. And we're doing. We're actually going to talk about four beers uh, in case one of the beers is either Pilsner Urquell or Weinstefan, uh, because we're only actually judging. Those are just there for control. Right. And uh, so that's relevant to uh, beer number eight. To beer number eight, <laughs> which you and I have determined unequivocally is Pilsner Urquell, and why? Which, which, which means it certainly is not. It's pretty, uh, oh man, I'm going to eat my shorts if it's not Pilsner Urquell. It's. It's well. First of all, uh, I took a photo and we'll post these photos later. It is it is clear as a bell, and it's the darkest beer on the, the table. Yeah. It, it looks like it has been uh, triple decocted. Yep. Um, and it and it has the fullness of triple decocted on the palate. Yep. Very rich mouthfeel. It's quite bitter, and it's also got a fair amount of diacetyl. Yeah. And it's very <laughs> rustic grain taste. Uh... Yeah, it's funny. So many. Americans think of this as kind of a bland mass market lager, but holy God, it's just... Urquell is so full of character. I just love that beer. And uh, for people who don't like diacetyl, it's like almost a deal killer. But... And you and I are going to be really embarrassed when that turns out to not be Urquell, but if it's not, then whoever Oregon brewer has come up with this, <laughs> kudos. <'cause... laughs> yeah, it, it's it's 100% in the Czech style. Yeah, uh, whatever. We'll, 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 we'll see if we're right, but... Um, uh, it's nice to do a, a, a tasting like this. Throw in Urquell just so you can see what the original is like and how weird it is. It's a really weird beer. I wrote a, po- a blog post about uh, classics. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing a series on that. And it, it is a classic that people, I think, fail to recognize how bizarre it is. It's a really <laughs> and it does. It stands out in this in this tray of nine beers. It stands out. All right. So let's move to beer nine. Which was, uh, we both we both kind of fell in love with this this was sort of our both of our favorite beer yeah actually it it just it's weird because it came in the night you know i did in i did them in order this was the last beer i tasted and i was kind of blown away and i thought well maybe maybe i'm just having too much beer already uh but it 
it's kind of light colored, clear. It has a really, it, it retained, by the way, this is one that really retained its head uh, through time and, and maintained a, a sort of a creamy head. And it has this really lush, creamy mouthfeel. Uh, that's wonderful. Absolutely. And it's also uh, fairly hot forward, although mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of hot flavor here. It's very zesty. It has a very uh, saws-like uh, zestiness. Yeah, zesty. And again, I get a little floral. I think that's what I, I get off saws that you might uh, get less. But I, I sort of get that floral aroma and a bit of a floral taste. The malt character is really nice, grainy, uh, well, you know, biscuity, crackery kind of. One nice thing about when you do uh, one of these tests is you uh, they, they, they warm up. We were doing this in plastic cups, and we've been doing this for a half an hour, and now they've warmed up. And some of the off flavors, and we're going to talk about a couple of beers that may have uh, uh, an issue or two, um, will come out. This beer, I just tried it again, and, man, it is just clean, 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 clean. Yeah. It's, I think you could let this thing get to room temperature, and it would just – you wouldn't find an off flavor. Yeah, it's, it's magnificent. I'm very, very – curious to know what it is but i won't know for a while by the way shout out to my son simon who is doing the pouring and blind uh keeping this blind for us so thank you simon you gonna say something simon no he's not gonna say well, something he's busy he's busy anyway. with the next round all right okay uh, so okay. now let's talk about some of the other beers let's just go again in order but the ones that didn't so those are our top four yeah, uh, we should probably pick up the pacer so we can get through all of this yeah. quickly. Yeah, uh, we don't need to talk too much about these, but let's just sort of the main the main reason that uh, some of these missed the cut. So beer one. I actually like this beer. Um, yeah. I thought it was it's full flavored and, and uh, has a lot of character. You felt it was a little astringent. It's got a little it's got a big hot pop and I felt it didn't quite have the flavor that should have gone along with that hot pop. Yeah. Beer number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, has an off flavor that Patrick identified. Apple. Yeah. I had to ask Jeff, what? <laughs> it's got apple. What does that mean? And Jeff said, it's acid aldehyde. Uh -huh. So it's got a, it's, it's uh, acid aldehyde is a little, it's a problem with fermentation. And uh, um, it's not, it's not aggressive. Uh, it actually, when it's cold, it's, it's a little bit difficult to even notice in this beer. As mm -hmm. it warms up, it becomes a little bit more obvious. Uh, it presents as a you know green apple fruitiness. Green apple is not an offensive flavor, and I yeah. think many people would not notice this or, or be offended by it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I but, didn't know. That was why I had to ask you whether it was intentional or not. Uh, otherwise, you know, again, it's it's not a bad beer at all. It's it's sort of creamy and spicy, and it's it's a golden color, it's a little hazy. It looks yeah, it looks it's a pretty beer. So uh, again, I don't want to when we're talking about the ones that didn't make the cut, I want to emphasize the fact that we'd have a tray of excellent beers. All right, four, and four is another one of the beers that I really liked, and you know we're just we can't they can't all go four. Yeah, this was a close call. Uh, it was light but cloudy. It's got a, um, a sort of an herbal aroma. I felt um, great balance. Great balance. Again, just didn't quite have that kind of distinct flavor that would sort of put it over the top. It's a good beer. Tasting it again, man, it's a good beer. Yeah. Five. Five, for a, for a brief moment, I was thinking it was a little Urquell-like, uh, and I thought it might even be Urquell until I thought a little more. Yeah, it's it's got a funky, not funky, but a an astringent. Yes quality that uh i the hops 
the hops just trail off into astringency at the end. Yeah. Um, and, and when it's cold, especially when it's cold, it, it's more difficult to notice. When it warms up, that astringency comes out a little bit. Yeah. It's subtle, but it's, you know, when you're comparing it to, it's on the table, you're comparing it to other ones. Yeah, it's got that rustic, it's darker. It, it's darker in color, and it's got that sort of rustic or quell quality. But yeah, it has a little astringency this. Your number six was super weird to me. This one just confused both of us. Uh, Patrick thought it was rich and creamy and reminded him of potentially a decocted beer. Uh, and he's correct, but I, I was uh, flummoxed by an orange note that's mm. in the palate. But yeah. I just couldn't ever figure out what it was, and it just threw me. Yeah, I had it sort of tilting a little towards the German, even though it kind of had a lush mouthfeel in terms of the, sort of the flavor profile. It was sort of a medium color. It was a bit cloudy. Um, yeah. And that's it. And that, we, oh, we, yeah. Hey, we're done. Sweet. We did seven, eight, nine. So stay to the end of the podcast, and we'll we'll identify these nine beers along with the second nine, which we will taste now and come back and talk about those. And we're back. All right. So we now have the second flight under our belts. We, we do indeed. This was a, a, a quite a different flight. It was. It's slightly more challenging. I thought. Yeah, it seems like uh, the the beers in the first one tilted towards the Czech uh, continuum, and mm. there was um, they were distinctive, but they were they were they were similar in a way. And this this had more variability and uh, less yeah. in the Czech continuum. Yes, yeah, I would agree with both of those statements. So let's go ahead and do like we did last time. Let's go ahead and highlight our top three. Once again, we actually found a lot of common ground. So. I'm surprised at this, actually, but both times we've basically agreed on the top three. Um, There were two contentious beers, which we'll come back to, which is fun. Yeah, (laughs) we'll loop back around. Okay, so the top three in order. The first was beer uh, number 13. Indeed. Okay, and so go ahead. What did you find? What did you like about 13? It struck me as being a rustic uh, Pilsner Mm -hmm. in that it's a little cloudy and it has... It is light colored, however. It is, say again? Light. Oh, Very, light, yeah. yes. Uh, it, it has a, a slightly tart quality. Uh, the yeast character is a little rustic in the sense that it reminds me of some, something like if Cezanne and Pilsner had a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so for my, for my palate, the, the malt is very nice. And for my palate, the harmony between these elements, the slightly tart uh light hopping and a nice malt character all really it, it, it's it's an unusual beer but it seems yeah. eminently drinkable yeah and uh, it's interesting that you use the term tart i put down sort of um fruity but mm. that's basically what i meant it's got this interesting it feels very continental europe hop mm. but it has this sort of tartiness or fruitiness that i don't classically assume, uh, associate with yeah i think it's coming from the the, the uh, yeast from the yeast yeah interesting Mm. And when you and when you look at it, you don't expect. Well, for me, I didn't expect rusticity, but you get rusticity, uh, and it's a really nice. I mean, it's uh, beautifully floral, sort of fruity or tarty. Yeah, it's really nice. It's 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 pretty um, distinct, unique, but lovely. I think. Totally. All right. So the next one, then, uh, moving on. Uh, kind of like last time, the la- the sort of the the beers at the end of the order were. Uh, stood out to us. So 17. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we both 
we both really this was the one that kind of leapt out for us. It is an incredibly bright, uh, maybe not quite as bright as the beer number three in the first round, but, but very light. That, yeah. Yeah. A pale, a pale beer, mm-hmm. clarion. Uh, it retained its head. So it was still had this creamy head, uh, even, uh, quite long after it was poured. Um, again, much like uh, beer three, it reminds me of, that lemongrass quality, which I associate with Tenningers, mm-hmm. uh, very much in the German uh, tradition. Um, it's got it's got a little bit fuller malts, but they are clean. And the malts are very clean. The hops are very clean. The yeast is very clean. It's yeah, like, it's it's one of those a brewer would really respect this beer and say nice, nice. Yeah, beer. it has a beautiful sort of rich, creamy mouthfeel, not overwhelming, but just a nice, very nice balance with that crisp hop. A character about a creamy mouthfeel, I think, yeah. Yeah, very nice beer. And then 18. 18 was interesting. Yeah, so uh, we actually had a, a guest a taster join us <laughs> for this round. Uh, talented and lovely Sally Allworth uh, sat down, and she, she she described this beer as meaty, smoky, <laughs> yeah. and not favorably. Uh, however, and I agreed, but I, I, I came down on the favorable side <laughs> and I felt that there was neither of those characters in there right. and you're both mad and I think it's, but we all agree it's pretty rustic mm. in character. It's, it's a, a darker, it's very clear, but it's darker. It's sort of more in the Czech color scheme. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, also check in that it's got that zesty quality that yes. I associate with uh, saws hops. Yeah. Uh, it's got a pretty big bitter snap to it. It is. It's quite bitter. It's full. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. But, and I think the malts are quite nice, too. The, uh, there's there's a, a... They're more bready than crackery. Some of the others are more like crackery. This is much more like bread. Yeah. Sally so just tried it again, and it's, again, grimacing. <laughs> well, I... I agree with her that there's definitely sort of that smoky quality and it's just, you know, and I'm pretty sensitive to smoke. So I usually am on Sally's side with this, but this one doesn't quite cross that threshold for me. Well, there you go. We, we will, <laughs> it will be delightful at the end of the podcast. Again, you will, uh, will reveal which, which, uh, filters these were. So should we go down the top, sprint down the top of the order? Yeah, uh, so top three. And then we had this fourth. So last time we did a fourth because we have these controls, we have the uh, Weinstefan and the um, Urquell as controls. So we picked a fourth. So we have kind of an outlier as a fourth today, which yeah. is 16. And, and we, we, we actually believe that one beer here may be the Weinstefan, just in the sense that we had a beer that was quite oxidized. And often, by the time beers are sold to Americans in Oregon, uh, they have been in a bottle for a while. Yeah. So we'll come back to that one. Instead of choosing that one, which actually seemed like a a nice base beer that had been oxidized. We're going for a beer that's wildly inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> exactly. we not, if we'd known, it would not have met our culture. But it's a great beer, so you know, we're wh- whatever. We we have to we have to give it a nod. Yeah. So this is beer sixteen. It clearly has something like Citra hops in it. Yeah. It doesn't taste at all like a Pilsner. No. It but it's really great beer. <laughs> it smells like a pale, an absolutely amazing pale. So it doesn't it doesn't belong at all. Uh, so we had a debate. We thought that. Though it would be good to continue through our, mm. and it will. That's crazy. Chance. That's crazy wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
So if the first three beers that we pick are Oregon beers, this will not appear in the finals. But if one of those happens to be one of the Weinstefan or Pilsner right. or Quill, yeah. uh, this, we'll, we'll bump this one up. Yeah, good point. So we're going to boot the we're going to boot the controls from our finals. Uh, so if if one of the controls is not one of our top three, then this. 16 will get booted but we'll we'll figure it out what it is later anyway <laughs> and we'd like to give a uh, tip of the hat to that it's a good beer it it's not really a, a traditional pilsner in any way um but it's very nice okay so quickly jeff let's go through the 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 re the sorry rejects is a poor choice of words the ones that didn't quite make the cut uh yeah. 10 uh this beer was unusual to me it had a note of peanuts mm. uh, there was an astringency to it and and a tiny hint of diacetyl which diacetyl yep. is not uh, an eliminator, but with the peanut and the astringent pops um, combined to make it uh, not a beer that I wanted to send forward. Yeah, that's interesting. I was I, I was almost ready to call it slightly oxidized because the nose has that slight. Hmm. Could be, that could but it be has also that a bit of that smoky quality that eighteen has as well. So that could be part of the peanut character too. Yeah, oxidation. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, now we get to the controversy. <laughs> eleven, yes. Let's talk about beer eleven. This was the one. Actually, this has been very harmonious the whole day. The eleven was the only one we sort of had big disagreement on. Well, and twelve a little bit too. Okay, so let's start with let's start with eleven. So eleven, I loved because the hop note for me was delightful, and I recognized that it kind of lacked the base to support that hop note, but I was willing to forgive because I love the hop so much. And for me, the hop note was quite aggressive, a bit rough, and it had a bit of an American character, too. Mm. Um, So something, it's not Chinook, but it reminds me of something like that, kind of an old-school, rugged American hop. Yeah, could be. Could be. Yeah, for me, uh, I just, it kind of zinged. It it hit my palate just right. But I do recognize that it's a little bit hollow in the center. doesn't have quite that that foundation you'd want. Uh, Twelve. Now twelve goes the other way. I, I quite like this, and you are not a fan. No, and I was I wrote diacetyl. I'm not sure, you know. I'm not. Keep in mind, dear listeners, that I'm an am- the amateur here. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's diacetyl here. I think the the note that you're uh, identifying is this floral, kind of a sweet floral character. Yeah, a bit of a sort of a jasmine uh, uh, character that just didn't. It, it's just. Uh, contrast with what I expect from a pilsner, and I'm not—I don't love those, 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 those notes. Sort of the you know the jasmine lavender notes that you get sometimes in beer. Those really, I'm just not a big fan. So that's probably part of my problem. Yeah, I think you may have, you may have hit the nail because I do like those notes, <laughs> and and this is a gorgeous beer. It's got a wonderful golden color. It's yes. perfectly clear. Absolutely. Uh, I I found it. It's clearly a lager. Um, it's got the lager character I want. Uh, from my perspective, uh, it has a, a slate quality, which I sometimes, there's a slate note that I get in lager sometimes. I think it's a yeast kind of contributes to that yeast character. It's got cracker, malts. It's a really nice beer from my perspective. But, yeah, I do uh, recognize all those qualities. And, and again, I'll just put out the general the general disclaimer that these beers are in general really good. <laughs> these are these are good beers. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's for me, that's what kind of uh, put it in the, uh, uh, in the also ran category, it's just that for me, I don't love those those sort of jasmine lavender notes. All right, so uh, fourteen now. Yeah, fourteen is the one that we um, think is fine. Yeah, yeah, maybe an oxidized note. So I was having a real trouble with this because I'm not very experienced. I couldn't 
decide what I let, what I thought about the spear because part of it was just perfect for me, and then part of it just it was sort of uh, discordant. And Jeff kind of pointed out that it was probably that the fact that it's old and oxidized. So we think this is Feinstefan. Yeah, and we 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 both actually like the beer. It and, does have that which... de- decocted mouthfeel and taste. Mm. It's right. actually mm. there's part of that beer that's just lovely. <laughs> yeah, there really is, and that's uh, I I sometimes forget to look at oxidation. Some people are very sensitive to it and immediately notice it, and I have to my attention has to be brought. I up. am. That's interesting because I'm pretty insensitive to diacetyl DMS, but oxid uh, oxidization I'm quite. Yeah, that's got to be the function. <laughs> All right, so we have we have <laughs> put down our marker. We have identified the Urquell. We have identified the Weisschafan. So uh, we will find out whether we're just completely uh, off track and are idiots, or we're just uh, beer savants. That's right. You'll find out. We're not hiding anything, folks. And and I know that even if we got these right, you will still think that we are idiots. <laughs> uh, All right. Which is why you love us. Okay. Uh, very quickly now, fifteen. This one was a, a beer that uh, I felt was um, a little imbalanced. Yes. Uh, the, it was a, a somewhat astringent. The hops were a little bit uh, aggressive. Yeah, I agree completely. A little overhopped, not enough base to balance it out. Uh, a little, little out of balance. And that completes the round. We had 16 as the American Oh, you're right. One. Yeah, that's it. And uh, so we're going to uh, conclude... Uh, the tasting portion of this podcast and we're going to bring you in next week's pod uh, the thrilling conclusion <laughs> emphasis on the thrilling uh, but we're going to uh, we're going to take a we're going to we're going to pause now and uh, find out uh, what we will go ahead and and uh, conclude the tasting and then we'll come back before we conclude this podcast and let you know what those were and give you uh, our our thoughts going out so, so we'll see you in a moment uh, so you know which Pilsners are going forward and you can begin to uh, lobby us on, on Twitter and, and Facebook and all the places. So uh, we'll, we'll be right back and uh, let you know which beers we've been tasting. All right. All right. So we are back now. We're going to reveal our uh, beers, essentially. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> For and those paying attention, these are the beers that we tasted. So, uh, beer number one was Terminal Gravity. That was a beer that was sent to the finals. That's right. Way to go, Eastern Oregon. Represent Enterprise uh, Oregon. Us in, in, a, in a something of an upset and a surprise to us. Fantastic. Uh, number two was Old Town Pilsners. Number three, also breaking into the finals, Berlick. That's right. Number four was Von Ebert of Portland. Number five was Ferment uh, out in Hood River. That's right. Uh, number six was Occidental's Pilsner. Number seven, breaking to the finals, Zeugel House. Yeah. Uh, number eight, as we correctly identified, kudos to us, pat ourselves on the back, that was the Pilsner Urquell. Number nine, nine. Uh, which we had breaking into the finals until we discovered what it was, yeah. uh, was Stefan. Yeah. Which neither of us, by the way, had any eye. You know, we had no one familiar with Stefan's Pilsner. That's not what uh, you normally associate with Weinstefan. Uh It's excellent, by the way. <laughs> it really rocked. We loved that beer. Mm-hmm. So uh, great, great going. Turns out they know how to make Pilsners in uh, Bavaria. That's right. Ten was uh, Bowie from uh, Astoria. 
Uh, also from Astoria, number 11, Fort George. Fort George. Uh, number 12 was the Breakside Pilsner from Portland. Number 13, breaking into the finals, Crux from Bend. Uh, number 14 was the Heater Allen Pilsner from uh, McMinnville, Oregon, the grandfather of the lager scene in Oregon. Uh, that was the one that we felt was slightly oxidized. Yeah, and so it's that's really a shame because we expected that to break into the finals, and it may well have because we both agreed that the base beer was amazing. Yes. But it was still tasted oxidized, so... Yeah, we, you knew you know. there was an excellent beer underneath, but yeah, the oxidization was a problem. That's right. Uh, uh, number 15 was the Rosenstadt Pilsner. Uh, 16, which was the American beer, which was our, our mistake. Uh, great beer, um, but not not really appropriate for this, was mm, Level. Yeah, not a Pilsner. has like a Citra, maybe. I, I'm guessing Citra. Hops. Yeah. Uh, it's a lovely beer. Yeah. So go find it, drink it. You'll probably really like it if you like those new, those new hops. But uh, it's Level. Uh, level's it? Let's Play Pilsner. Bit of a category error. Yeah. Uh, beer number 17, breaking into the finals. No surprise. The uh, the monster from Hood River, Cream. Cream. Excellent. Absolutely. So number 18 was the Wayfinder CZAF, also a finalist. That's right. From Portland, Oregon. And uh, we will leave you there on the edge of your seat waiting to find out which one of these titans will become the first annual... Birvana Show Great Pilsner <laughs> Taste Off Champion. Tune in next week and we will reveal all. <laughs> we right. actually know because we've already recorded it and uh, it's exciting stuff, folks. Oh, so it's amazing. You'll be you'll be amazed at what number two is. Exactly. You'll be astounded at what number three. All right. A few words going. Please subscribe to us on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate us. Five stars, please. Uh, that helps other listeners find the show. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your questions or comments to jeff at beervanablog.com or on Twitter at beervanapod. Jeff blogs at beervanablog, and he tweets at at beervana. Patrick tweets at beeronomics. I'm picking up a, a random Pilsner yeah. in front of me. <laughs> I'm picking up number four from our final. Who knows? All right. Who knows? I, that's weird. <laughs> I had four, too. Oh, man. Great minds, my friend. Cheers, <laughs> Cheers, Patrick. X-Ray.